if you are extremely, if you are successful in your career, but you lose your family, then you've lost. Hello, and welcome to the Biblically Centered Podcast. Hello. Uh, my name is Johnny Jordan. Beautiful wife, Danica, sitting next to me. Um, and we are nice and cozy inside on a wintry, very cold Ooh, man. morning. Yeah. I think everyone's getting hit with a little bit of like, hello, it's officially winter. Uh, but it's really cold here. Very, very cold here. Yeah, my... Uh, my sister lives in Colorado, but we have her beat. Um, wow. Their feels like right now is negative 10, and oh. our feels like is negative 20 right now. Oh, my. Negative 20 <laughs> degrees. Yeah, I read if you're outside for 30 minutes, you might get frostbite. So I hope no one's outside for that long. Yeah. I don't plan on being outside for 30 minutes at all this weekend. No. I mean, I, yeah, this morning I got out to get breakfast for the kids and just... I mean, I parked right in front of the door, and it was uh, very chilly five seconds to get inside. But yeah, thankful for the indoors. So uh, Danica sent me a text asking if I wanted to turn the heat off while we were filming just so it wouldn't be running. Um, and like potentially picking up the mic, I was like, nope, we're going <laughs> to, I'd rather keep it cozy while we can. So if you hear the heat, I doubt it will. Because I feel like we had these mics dialed in to where they don't. That's true. Maybe not. Here, see if you can hear this. It's going. <laughs> you can. Um, Danica, would you mind hitting us with our mission statement today? Would love to. Biblically Cinder equips your family with knowledge and conversations for you to live and defend your Christian faith. Didn't want to do it off memory today? I mean, I probably could have. I feel like since it's on the paper, I'm just always tempted to just look at it as mm -hmm. I read. Well, thank you very much. You are so welcome. Today we're moving on to our next virtue um, in our 26 biblical family virtues. Yep. Today is virtue L. L. La, la, la. Oh, here's a little, here's a, uh, if you, if you remove the L from the alphabet, it, the alphabet makes a Christmas song. Did you know that? <laughs> Yes, I did. Because there's no L. Oh. Yeah, I've told you that one before, haven't I? Yeah. Didn't you try telling that to our daughter this I don't Christmas? Think, I think it was two over their head. Yes, I think so. She just looked at the alphabet and was like, what? She finally got it, though. Once she, once she got I it, think so, then she thought yes. it was funny. Yes. But definitely. So, definitely not. I mean, it's not a very funny joke, but, you know, <laughs> it's kind of timely with Christmas being, what, three weeks ago? Yes. So... Any Hoosers. Today we're leading into Virtue L, What, like I said, because without L, there'd be no L, um, which is we lead with patience and respond with understanding. Yes. So we are continuing this kind of grouping of virtues is kind of all centered around the fruit of the spirit. So again, we mentioned, I think last time, how it's kind of about the attitudes or behaviors that stem from our heart. So... We're continuing with that. Out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Yes. So. Um, and of course, we got some definitions because we love definitions here at Biblically Centered. Love definitions. Big fans of definitions. Big fans. Okay. So patience. Patience is the suffering of afflictions, pain, 
toil, calamity, with a calm, unruffled temper. It is endurance without murmuring or fretfulness, constitutional fortitude, Christian submission to God, the act of waiting long for justice or expected good without discontent, bearing offenses without anger or revenge. That's a pretty darn <laughs> convicting <laughs> kind of a lot. Definition. You're just like, oh, patience, la la la, and then you're like, oh, it's con- the suffering of afflictions. I'm just fortitude. thinking of this through a parenting lens right now, for the sake of this podcast. But the suffering of afflictions, pain, toil, calamity, with a calm, unruffled temper. Yeah, I I don't know if I would win this award. Calm, unruffled. Frequently. I don't think I won this award at bedtime last night. <laughs> Yeah, it's a I don't know if you as a parent, do you ever make the mistake of doing something fun for your kids one time <laughs> and then they demand that you do the same thing for them for forever? <laughs> I thought this would be a great idea to turn my kids into a burrito one night <laughs> by laying them on the ground in their blankets in their blankets, <laughs> in their blankets and rolling them up tight like a burrito and then picking them up by the blanket and throwing them into their bed. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's every And now it's day. every night. And last night we finally got them in bed. Danik and I are laying down in our room and then our littlest comes in says he wants to be a burrito or how, how does he say it a a rito or he just says yeah. it something weird um so i bring go to his room try to give him a burrito but apparently i wasn't doing it right or i didn't do it the way i did it that last time and he didn't want to be put in his bed he just wanted to be left on the floor <laughs> and i was not uh i was not handling that situation with a calm unruffled temper <laughs> As this definition says, but we made it through. Eventually, both the boys, the two of our boys, share a bedroom. They decided they wanted to sleep on the floor, and like literally the day before, everyone got we like rearranged everyone's beds because we have a new baby coming in less than two months. Yeah. So our daughter got a new bed, and then her old bed went into the boys' room, and then our our youngest, who was in like a toddler bed. We got rid of that. Now he's in a big bed. So everyone everyone got a new bed, basically. We didn't buy new beds, but everyone got a new bed set up. Right. And then the next night they want to sleep on the floor, <laughs> which didn't last long because we always go and check on them before we finally fall asleep. And I went and checked on them an hour or two later, and they were both back in their beds. Yeah. But anyways, all that to say, uh, this definition of patience is convicting. And yes. it's kind of crazy to me because patience is always a tricky one because – there's an there's an extent of it where it's like okay I want to be able to like you know consciously make the decision to practice patience right um you know sometimes you do have to take the deep breath and just swallow your frustration in the moment whatever it is and choose to show patience in a situation but truthfully I think patience is supposed to come from a deeper place I don't think it's supposed to be, I mean, I understand it can be, but I don't think it's supposed to be like in your mind. So, so, so to speak that where it's like, I have to sit here and take a breath and collect my thoughts to show patience rather it just being, does that make sense? Yeah. So for me, it's kind of, it's like, okay, so what is it I'm missing whenever some situations like that can so quickly mm-hmm. get me into a mode where I don't feel like I'm showing patience? Does that make sense? It does make sense. Maybe maybe we'll figure it out. Probably. I'm kind of scared to go on. 
This is going to be Danica talking and me just listening to this whole episode. <laughs> That's probably never going to be the case. All right, go ahead. Um, okay, Philippians 2, um, the second half of verse 1 through 2. Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. And I'm going to read the next one as well. Romans 2, 4. Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? So, yeah, I mean, that first one, are your hearts tender and compassionate? I like um, in the in the Romans verse. Um, oh, no, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, in the Romans verse where it talks about God's kindness leading us to repentance. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that. I mean, that phrasing is pretty well known and it's in, you know, a few Christian songs and stuff like that. But I, you know, I think it's a like, I guess the best way I can try to think to explain it is like God is so kind that his kindness is what leads us to repent. And so repentance is um, not just feeling sorry for your sin, but it's turning from it. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Uh, so there's a definition of repentance I'll read that says it's the change of mind and purpose in life. The word here evidently means, and this is referring to this verse, um, the word here evidently means not merely sorrow, but forsaking of sin and turning from it. The tendency of God's goodness and forbearance to lead people to repentant repentance is manifest. Um, and so then it kind of, and I don't know if I'll hit on these, but it kind of goes into a four, four part explanation of repentance. But, um, you know, because I, I know that a lot of times our culture, you know, and not necessarily this isn't anything new under the sun, but just kind of like that connection between um, kindness and niceness. Mm-hmm. People kind of associate those things with the same thing. And I think there's a lot of times they are associated with each other. But true kindness is is pushing people to their best, so to speak. Mm-hmm. This is I'm going to get there. Um, so for me in this, it's like God's kindness leads us to repentance, which means like God ultimately wants our repentance, right? Like that is the end goal is for us to be brought into the fold of God. And so, um, and so sometimes kindness cannot feel kind right? because God doesn't always enter our lives and, and look at our lives in a linear perspective like we do, or with what we're feeling today, mm-hmm. God is, and I know we'll talk about this later, but he's, he's in it for he's in it for the eternal, right? Like he's entered our life for the eternal and the eternal of us is the repentance of sin coming to Christ. And so, um, that to get us there is not always a nice process, if that makes sense, Mm -hmm. but it is a kind process right? because that is our ultimate good. Yeah. That's all. (laughs) I like that a lot. I mean, that, talks to the virtue from last week of kindness. Um, But I think the same could be said with patience, right? Patience isn't just rolling over and letting someone do what they want. Yeah. I mean, I don't view it necessarily as, as, I mean, I guess from a parenting perspective, it's trying to figure out like how we as parents can display, but then also instill patience into our children. Right. Um, and I think this all really does come back to, yes, we want the inner transformation from them um, through Christ. We want that. But a lot of that, like a lot of the groundwork that we lay 
as parents is what is kind of what we've mentioned all throughout this podcast is like a lot of these things that we want to instill our, in our kids are caught, not taught. Right. And so if we, if you and I can sit down with each other and have an honest conversation and say, do we feel like we're showing patience to our children? Right. And what would your answer be? Mm, depends. Probably not. Depends on the situation. Yeah. Which is probably true. It depends right. on the situation. I think there are some times that we're very patient. There's sometimes that we're not. Yeah. But, um, a, a point that is like, we can't expect behavior from our kids that we're not willing to show them ourselves. Yeah. And that's something that I think could ring true for any parent. Cause sometimes we almost hold our children to a higher standard than we hold to ourselves. Because for us, we understand why we feel the way we feel. Right. We know that we're frustrated because this isn't done. We know we're frustrated because they didn't do it this way, the way we asked because they're not listening. We know that that's why we're frustrated. Right. But yet we're not entering into the mind of our young children who are, experiencing a lot of this kind of for the first time and still trying to frame their worldview. Mm-hmm. And we kind of, we justify what we feel, but then we, we don't allow our children to have justice for, or justifying for the way that they feel that might be causing a certain behavior. If that makes sense. So mm-hmm. all that to say, like, and this is something I'm not saying this from a high horse because this is something I deal with in myself almost daily of, um, needing, needing to better represent, in the way I act, mm-hmm. not just the words I say. Right. Well, I guess when I said, and going back before to where I was talking about patience and allowing, it's, we've talked about, we're trying to get to the heart of the matter and that's what actually takes time. So can I allow continuing patience in this circumstance because I know they're trying to work on it or that was my patience and you know, like, yeah, yeah there, well, and I'm there not saying that there's times that where we don't need to, you know, be stern, but correct to me, there's a difference between intentional sternness and just I'm fed up. Correct. Yes. Okay. And for me, that's where I have sometimes have a, a hard time distinguishing, dis, distinctioning. Is that a word? No. Distinguishing. <laughs> what did I say? <laughs> distinctioning. <laughs> distinguishing the difference. <laughs> Ooh. So, yes, patience is, yeah, it, but it's again, it's, tricky. it's my prayer for me is like those attributes that I feel like I lack in the most, I don't want it to be in my own will to manufacture these right. behaviors. Um, and so that's why I say it's my prayer that like, these areas that I feel short in, I'm praying that like I'm being fortified through the word right. to have these behaviors more instilled in- internally. Right. If they get internal, which going back to what we want our kids to do, de- we want our kids to develop, you know, a heart around these, which we in turn also want our heart because if it's just in your mind, like how many things can you actually focus on? in this in a circumstance when it's happening Mm -hmm. like i don't think i can focus on okay i need to be really patient okay but then i need to be kind but then i need to be like then you're trying to like be in your head about what do i need to be right now Uh and you're juggling all of them whereas if you've developed a heart of them then you can really focus on being intentional okay what does my child 
need in this moment? How can I help direct them? What does God want to do in them instead of be, I guess, self-focused on what should I be doing Mm -hmm. right now? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Um, Ezekiel eleven nineteen, and I will give them one heart and a new spirit I will put within them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. So I just think that should be, you know, just a daily thought of, I, w- I want my mind to be renewed. I want my heart to be renewed and soft and p- pliable to what God wants to do in me and how the Holy Spirit wants to speak to me and through me. Um, but yeah, that's hard. Yeah. And I'm going to, I'm going to make a metaphor here. That's off the top of my head. I'm going to see if I can make sense. Okay. Because I've always liked that, the visual of the heart of stone and the heart of flesh and, you know, how we often talk about, you know, a lot of the things of the world harden your heart. But God can come in th- and through repentance, your heart can be softened to these things. And so, you know, I view it. Um, gosh, I don't know how I'm going to be able to circle back with this metaphor. But we'll see. So like cooking steak, for instance. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. I don't have to think through this metaphor. We'll move on. Okay. Well, I'll relate it. I um, have dabbled in art for a very, very long time. Uh, my degree is in graphic design. However, I did take some pottery. I didn't take sculpture per se. Um, but when you're thinking about the great masters, Michelangelo, Raphael, <laughs> Leonardo, <laughs> Donatello. Sure. And um, the greatest master of all, Splinter. <laughs> Yes. Um, I mean, they were able to use stone in a beautiful way. And they were able to take away stone to wind up with a beautiful form. However, that is really hard. It's really hard to take away. Um, Whereas if you're working with clay or something more pliable, you just kind of add to it. Mm. So... You know, we, um, where else in the Bible, you know, it says, give me a clean heart, wash our lives, make us pure, all these things about kind of restarting with just um, a, f- a fresh, clean slate or heart. And then it is easy to add these character qualities and virtues to our lives Whereas if we've built up a heart of stone, it is very hard to take away. away. You have to then chisel away the vices that you have allowed to grow and harden your heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a good metaphor. Thank you. But yeah, and even just from an artistic perspective, it's I don't even understand how, you know, because like I think all the great artists that do those stone sculptures say you have to like see the piece within the stone before you start carving them. Yeah, like, because if you take something away that you needed. She gone. Yeah, it's gone. Ooh, I've seen this artist recently and he uses stone to carve soft things. So it's like a stone pillow 
but it looks so soft, but it's actually out of stone. When you should send me that. Was that on Instagram? What was that on? I don't know. I want to see. But it was really cool. I mean, yeah, those stone sculptures, though, were like, you know, the ancient ones where, you know, they look like they're wearing dresses and they look flowy. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Ooh, the one, um, I forget who it's by, um, but it's of a woman with a veil over her face. Oh, man. That one is. I've seen a tattoo of that one. Oh, okay. That tattoo. Um, I think we're off topic. I like your metaphor. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Uh, Moving on. I'm going to read a pretty hefty quote, but it is really good. Hefty, hefty, hefty. (laughs) By William Barclay. There is no single English word which transmits all the fullness of its meaning. And this is talking about patience. It says, it is one very interesting use. It is used of the ability of a plant to live under hard and unfavorable circumstances. It is not the patience which can sit down and bow its head and let things descend upon it and passively endure until the storm is passed. It is the spirit which can bear things, not simply with resignation, but with blazing hope. It is the spirit which bears things because it knows that these things are leading to a goal of glory. It is not the patience which grimly waits for the end, but the patience which radiate, radiantly hopes for the dawn. And I just love that because I think earlier I said something about patience. It's not just like we're rolling over waiting, you know, just like what's going to happen. But this is a, a patience with hope is how we wait. Um, and it's not just letting things happen to passively endure. Right. Yeah. I like that. Um, you know, that ending where it says it's not the patience which grimly waits for the end, but the patience, which radiantly hopes for the dawn, you know, it just, it just speaks to that concept that we talked to in the last episode or two, just about, um, like, you know, when we talk about Jesus who was able to endure the cross because of the joy that was set before him, yeah. you know, similar to that, like we have eternal hope in Christ. And so we should be able to, um, live our lives with patience because we do have that joy and hope on the, on the other end of whatever circumstance it is that we're going through. Um, so, which I think you know, you can have different mindsets with where the world is today and you can think, man, this is really grim. Don't know. And you're scraping by to make it another day or another hour or make it through another school year. It's just like, I'm just, I'm being patient, but it's just really hard. And, and that's like, that's like a really sad way to live your life. Just like, Oh no, I wonder where it's like, no, we, we have radiant hope because we know in the end the war is won. Right. Um, we we know what's going to happen. We know we're going to be with Jesus, like all these things. But the hope that we get to radiate through our patience is something that the world needs. They want to see true optimism, not just like, yay, mm. but like... No, I am hopeful um, because we, I I don't want to go to the end being like, I, man, I barely hung on and people didn't notice and I just left people in the dust. Yeah, I would rather confidently go out and see people 
their lives changed because of how I lived my life. Not in a look at me sort of way, but our lives should echo God and show him through our patients. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it starts with our home, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and again, like you said, not for any sort of selfish gain or anything, but like, I want our children to come to Christ on their own. But my hope is that we are such a good example of a life transformed by Christ that it can't be refuted. Yeah. Because know that, especially with a lot of, um, you know, kind of like the pastor kid scenario that um, that's a little more, I guess, stereotypical, but obviously real of like these, these kids who, whose parents are, their entire work is the ministry, but yet the parent hasn't excelled at the ministry of the home. And so you kind of end up with these bitter kids who grew up believing that this was real, but just feel like they never really saw it in the home. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, that's a, that's a convicting thing. And I, and there is an aspect of it. It's like, and I'm not necessarily faulting the pastors, um, or, you know, I know every family dynamic and situation is different, so I'm not trying to reduce it down to just the solution, but Mm -hmm. it is hard. I mean, any line of work, I think if you're spending, you know, 10 plus hours a day doing a specific line of work. So for a pastor who's maybe, and being a pastor is a tough job. I think, you know, I've heard people say growing up that it's kind of an easy job, but I think those are people who don't really understand what actually goes into being a pastor. You're dealing with people all day. And it's not just dealing with little minute circumstances. You're dealing with people's eternal lives and all their individual circumstances. People are seeking out the church for help. So you have this pastor who's spending his whole day trying to help other people probably and probably exerting his emotions all day and feel, and you know, so he gets home, he's kind of probably drained would be my guess. And then trying to turn it on and still be able to give that type of care to your family. I don't imagine would be a challenge for a pastor not to say it can't be done. Um, Right. It would definitely fall in the category. I feel like there's like, and not to reduce all jobs into these two categories, but there are some jobs where you just go in, you can kind of, your mind doesn't have to really be there in an emotional capacity because you're doing a job to check off or to do whatever that is. And then there are other jobs where they are emotionally like draining. That's what you're doing. And I feel like those jobs, it's really hard to then have to transition to them being still emotional, emotionally available for your family. Yeah. And then some of it too is, you know, we never want to put on a face when we're at church or doing ministry things that doesn't line up with how we are at home. Mm -hmm. Um, Because kids can see that, you know. Like you said earlier, it's more things are caught than taught. And so if our kids see, oh, at church, my parents are really like this. And then we get home and they're really not like this. Why? Mm-hmm. So, again, it goes back to those heart changes because how we live our lives should be how we live our lives across everything. Yeah. Like there, there's still grace for those moments, but um, you, you never want to be that dual 
Who's that? It's that scarecrow or whoever who has like the two faces. No, it's that other guy. Wait, what? Two face. <laughs> oh my gosh, you guys. I'm so bad with. <laughs> I didn't know you transitioned into Batman. <laughs> I don't know. I was just like, who's that guy with those two who's faces? The guy right? with the two faces. <laughs> oh yeah, two face. <laughs> Need to go back and watch those. My bad. Uh, um, uh, the Dark Knight trilogy. Yeah. Yeah, those were good. I haven't seen those in a long time. So good. Anyways. Some of those movies I'm excited to show to my boys when they get older. Yes. And Star Wars. I'm debating on when to introduce the kids. Star Wars is kind of a double-edged sword right now because it's like I want to get them into it, but gosh, 7, 8, 9 just. Well, I feel like we would start with the originals. I know, but I just wish they could have figured something out with those. So it would take a long time for us even to get to those. Anyways, but. That whole concept of you want to be who you are because that's who God made you to be. And so who God made you to be should be who you are all the time. Mm-hmm. And that's if true. and if it's not, then you need to evaluate what circumstance or people or what, what is affecting that and why. Right. So. Well, yeah, and a lot of it is, um, for me, speaking just from my experiences, I kind of, and I think it is a trait of my personality, but I can idealize situations a lot. And so whenever I find myself feeling the most short or lacking patience is when a situation I've idealized so much is not going according to how I thought it would, then I can kind of feel like I'm losing my grip on what I thought was going to be or going to happen or the situation was going to be. And then I can feel like I'm now I'm trying to control it. And when I'm trying to sit there and control situations to when I is when, yeah. you know, um, but yeah, I remember hearing this quote years, years ago in terms of ministry. And I think this goes for not just ministry, but any profession is like, if you are extremely, if you are successful in your career, but you lose your family, then you've lost right? no matter what. And, and that's, you know, that's a very convicting thing because, um, and again, as a disclaimer, I'm not I'm not trying to put every situation and every career and every whatever into the same bucket and just reduce it all down. So if you don't feel like this applies to your situation, then it doesn't apply to your situation. I understand that. Um, but generally speaking, you know, a lot of people really invest so much, so much, so much, so much, so much, so much time into their work and forsake their family yeah. um, that they end up losing their influence in their family. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, and we've talked about this recently. We've even talked about it in our life group some, but um, kind of this idea of idolatry and how we can view, like success can become an idol in our life. Yeah. And that's kind of the thing we're bowing down to is that whatever it takes to be successful, um, you know, and of course everyone has a different definition of success, but, you know, ultimately that's not, the goal, like our goal is to steward our family and to yeah. trust, trust God with the resources and understanding phases of life. Like we're all in different phases of life. You know, like when you have young kids in the home that will probably require something different from you than when you have older kids in the home, kids right. who are more independent, who can um, do a few more things on their own, but everything is a season. And so I think it's just important for parents to understand yeah. the season they're in and make like the filter of your decisions being the betterment of your family and the betterment of your family is the involvement of the parents. Yeah. So don't forsake your family 
for a buck. Yeah. Although, yes, having finances is important. <laughs> but true. the ends don't the ends don't necessarily justify the means. Correct. So, yeah. Um, James five seven through eight. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. And I don't know a ton about farming. I wanted to start a garden last year. Praise the Lord. I did not because I, I, I feel like I overestimate how much time I actually have. And then I don't. Who, uh, in that, in that situation, whenever you were thinking about setting up a garden and buying chickens, was there a voice? I still want chickens. But was there a voice of reason and wisdom in your life during that process that said maybe now's not the right time? Are you talking about you? I'm not necessarily saying me. I just didn't know if you remembered if there was a voice. Uh, yes, but gardening takes time. Obviously, you plant something and then, like back when I was thinking about it, um, there are some things you plan like early spring that you won't even see till the fall. Mm-hmm. Like six months later, eight months later. Um, and so um, I kind of wrote down, we cannot overlook what God is doing below the surface. A farmer doesn't give up after a week or a month. He knows that in the unseen places, life is working. God is working even when we don't see progress. Yeah. And I would say that's applicable to our own lives. That's applicable to our children. Again, if we, we can't see what God is developing and cultivating in them until it actually shows up. So just persistence, I think, is also um, an aspect of patience in that we have to be persistent and consistent with what we're doing and not get frustrated. I feel like my personality, raising children is a long game. And I feel like that's hard for me to accept sometimes because you want to see fruit now. Right. You want to see like, okay, is this pain off where you might, you might get a glimmer or a glimpse along the way of like, oh, they responded really well in that moment or, oh, they're listening better this week or, but it's very much is what I'm doing now going to result in fruit later. Right. And that's hard because uh, I have no control over that. I can't foresee that. I can't like all, all we can do is trust God, pray a lot And I think with what we're doing in these virtues, layering them over and over and over, we will have given our children a picture of who Christ is, how to be like Christ so that they want to know him, that they want to have a relationship with him and that that takes root. Mm. But, you know, that's trust, persistence, all those words all wrapped into one with patience. Mm -hmm. To see that long game actually come to pass. Yeah. Yeah, and I think a lot of that really reveals deep down what we truly believe about Christ. Um, you know, and there's situations, even in my family, that, um, you know, because my, my mom passed away in 
2017. And, you know, and she was very much a prayer warrior. Like, I mean, everything, she brought everything to prayer. Um, and she was a great example of that. You know, and there's things that she was praying and believing for and planting seeds, you know, decades ago that I feel like even now I'm still seeing the fruit of those prayers from her, the things that she was believing and she's, you know, past now. But, um, I think it's just important for us to understand as Christians that the seed that we lay isn't the crops necessarily that we're going to see in our lifetime. There's a John Mark McMillan song called the road, the rocks and the weeds where he says, shall I plant sequoias and revel in the soil for a crop that I know I'll never live to reap. Shall I plant sequoias and revel in the soil of a crop I know I'll never live to reap. And it's kind of that concept of like, there's a lot of things that we are, we are called to when it comes to planting and cultivating that are things that are going to be seen generations from now, not things we're going to see in our lifetime. Right. And so, but for us, it's important to have that mindset of um, everything we do is for the long run, yeah. not for immediate results or immediate gratification. Yeah. So. Well, in the New Testament, I believe it's Paul who says, Apollos planted, I watered, or he planted and Apollos watered, but God will give the increase. Mm-hmm. So we we have to do our part because it requires us, right? A seed can't be planted mm-hmm. well without someone being intentional. But obviously, plants and trees still plant themselves and grow. But to be planted where you want them to be planted, it takes intentionality. Yeah. And then you have to continue to water it, to notice it, to make sure it has what it needs to grow Otherwise, you can't just like throw it out there and be like, good luck. I hope you develop patience. Yeah. It takes intentionality. And then obviously God is the one who makes all things grow and work and develop. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's kind of a big trust. I think also to go along with that, it's important who are around your children because you might be planting these seeds, but then who is around them to help develop those. Mm-hmm. If you are trying to instill patients and all of their friends instantly get whatever they want whenever they want that's not going to reinforce that concept to your child Mm -hmm. so you kind of want to make sure that who you've surrounded or who's in your life is operating similarly to you so that those concepts can be fortified um like kindness if all of their friends Mm -hmm. aren't kind how how will they develop that if that's you know, when your kids get older, they're going to be around those people more than you. So your influence is when they're young. And then you want to make sure that you have people in their life who are going to continually be adding to that. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, our kids need more influence in their life than just their parents. Obviously, they're our responsibility. But, um, yeah, and, and that responsibility is giving them the right um peers and the right mentors like you said to reinforce these concepts um so they can see it from a lot of different angles so 
Yeah. Um, you want to wrap up there? I would love to. I feel like this year, as we've talked about um, Virtue K and now Virtue L, kind of these fruits of the spirit, I that is what I am developing this year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Amen. Believe it in faith, Lord. <laughs> so if you are also, I would love, I would love to hear about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so we have some exciting things coming up we do. for those who stuck around to hear the, I feel like anytime I listen to a podcast, whenever they wrap up what they're talking about, You're they're like, like hey, gonna, now we're going <laughs> to talk about other things. I'm like, peace next episode. <laughs> but for those of you who are still listening by chance, uh, we're developing a kid's daily podcast right now. Yeah. So, um, and it will be a daily podcast. Yes. Um, geared for kids or families, but geared towards kids. Um, but obviously something safe that they can listen to. Um, but it's based on a different biblical virtue every week. So we're following with our curriculum and how we have it spaced out. So we'll introduce the virtue of the week. And then um, two of those days will be an actual Bible story from the Old and New Testament that go along with that. And then um, the other days will be fun or quizzes or things just so that kids have you know maybe 10-15 minutes where they're listening to things about God um, in a fun environment yeah. so it will make learning about God fun but they will learn more about God mm-hmm. so again another way to layer these things layer by layer so it's not just an hour or 30 minutes um, of church on Sunday yeah yeah, and we thought this would be a good idea. Our daughter listens to like a daily kids podcast kind of thing, but it's not a Christian one. Right. But it is very lighthearted, very fun, like their stories and, and jokes and drawing and stuff. But we thought it'd be great to kind of take that type of idea, but focus it in um, yeah. on these virtues and then just a Christian perspective, you know, yeah. just make it something that your kids can listen to and help. Um, build them up a little bit. So, but one of the things we're doing, we're going to have jokes um, throughout the week. So if you want um, your kid to be on the podcast, have, and we want it to be their voice. So take an audio recording of your kid telling a joke and then email it to us at info at biblically center.com info at biblically center.com. And we'll uh, keep those and then have them in episodes as they, as they come out, just as a little funny thing. So, uh, anyways, you got anything else you want to say? I don't think so. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for listening to this and we will see y'all next time. Bye.